The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. Children can go to Children's Church, and if you would locate Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians in your Bibles, and chapter number 6, I'm going to read for us our sermon text, Ephesians chapter number 6, verses 10 uh, through verse number 20. Hear the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. That words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. It's the word of the Lord. It is for our good. Let me pray. Bless the Lord who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, uh, not very often, but sometimes a sermon that I'm about to preach has an opportunity in my own personal life to uh, get lived out and applied, and such was the case at 410 this morning. So I'm uh, very grateful to be able to say to you that this works, that what I'm going to preach to you works. It's not abstract theology, it works, and I want to commend it to you. We are in our last sermon on this series, Where is the Love?, and I want to talk to you today about persevering. It's a persevering word that we're going to receive today about prayer. Now, for many disciples of Jesus, a sermon on prayer can either be a source of frustration 
or guilt. Frustration for some because you feel your prayers are so rarely answered. You assume something's wrong with you. For others, um, it's guilt. You don't think you pray enough. You may not, I don't know, but guilt shouldn't be the driving force in your life. And what I hope this sermon will do uh, is to remove frustration and guilt as I point us to God's love, a love we share, that we enjoy as we pray at all times in the Spirit. And if you are feeling rather good about your life of prayer, God bless you. Keep going strong. Let this be an encouragement for you to stay at it by God's grace. Pastor and author Eugene Peterson, and we'll put the quote up on the screen, said this about prayer. Prayer is the way we work our way out of the comfortable but cramped world of self and into the spacious world of God. Not to overstate it or make it a big mystery, but very early this morning, my world was neither comfortable, but it was very cramped with worry and fear and anxiousness over an issue. And I was so grateful to be able to lean into the spiritual truth that God's world is a spacious world in which he lives and exists and loves us, loves us. If we try to make prayer the end instead of the means, we will miss Jesus, which is to say we will miss this spacious, good world where God loves us. A world into which we can enter. And so I want to be clear about this. The goal of prayer, I know this will sound wrong, but the goal of prayer is not first and foremost to get your prayers answered. That is not the goal of prayer. The goal of prayer is first and foremost to encounter the living God, to enter into his spacious good world that he invites us into. Prayer is an invitation of love from the living God to fellowship with us. You get a phone call from somebody, they say, hey, I want you to come over, and you say to them, oh, I'm sorry, is there a problem? And they're like, no, I just want you to come over and eat and have, play some games and have a good time. And you're like, oh, well, good. <laughs> yeah, I'll be over, you know. But how many times do we feel prompted to pray and we're like, oh, no, there must be a problem. Instead of understanding that the goal of prayer is to encounter the living God who invites us into fellowship with him. It is a fellowship of love. And how could it not be but a fellowship of love for who is more patient, who is more kind, who is more concerned about us than our heavenly Father who has invited us into fellowship with him? Well, no one is. No one is. God has poured out his love upon us through Jesus. He has given us his spirit to teach us about Jesus so that we can know his love more fully. Now, now you might think, 
with such a wonderful invitation of love, why do we need to teach about prayer? I mean, if that is what prayer is, an invitation of love into which we fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, why do we need any instruction? Shouldn't it just come naturally? Shouldn't it just be preloaded in us as disciples? In his uh, Institutes of Christian Religion, John Calvin writes this. Uh, we'll put it up on the screen um, because there are some big words in it. Big words are good words. Believers know by experience that their ardor for prayer grows languid unless new fuel is added. And therefore, that meditation as well on the word of God during prayer is by no means superfluous. Isn't that language beautiful? Don't you wish people still talk like that? languid and ardor and superfluous that's just beautiful language but the godly counsel calvin gives is even more beautiful because we know that ardor for prayer grows languid unless new fuel is added and we know that if you've ever built a campfire anybody ever built a campfire or in your fireplace what do you need to keep adding fuel to the fire go down to arlington seminary washington dc or Arlington, Virginia, actually, outside of Washington, D.C., and you go visit the eternal flame, but it's not eternal in and of itself, is it? What constantly has to fuel the flame, right? That which flows out of the ground, right? It just doesn't exist on its own. Prayer works in a similar fashion. Our ardor for prayer grows languid unless new fuel is added, meditation on the word of god during prayer is not superfluous because that is the fuel we need to add any guy who was at the men's retreat a couple weekends ago is already thinking about psalm 1 first sermon in that retreat blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scorners his delight is in what the law of the lord and in that law, what does that person do? Meditates day and night. That is, they stoke the fuel, right? They stoke the fire. They stoke it so that their ardor does not grow languid in prayer. But in keeping with Paul's exhortation then, meditation on the word must be guided and directed by the Spirit. We are to pray at all times in the Spirit. I heard a false teacher, I, mean, I wasn't in person or I would have stood up and yelled, but I was, uh, it was online where a lot of false teachers exist, of course, and this false teacher was telling people that if you want to get uh, this nation back on its feet, blow the shofar horn, because the shofar horn is what sends the demons trembling. That's nonsense. But she was trying to prove that from the word of God. If you want to buy a shofar horn and blow it, for fun and irritate your neighbors go do it but don't think the demons are trembling when you blow a shofar horn they're not they're not if they if if they would have trembled at the shofar horn paul would have blown one when he went into ephesus but he didn't he proclaimed the word of god if you want to know how to fuel the languid 
feelings of prayer, feed yourself with the fuel of the word of God. And this is the exhortation then that Paul gives. We are to pray at all times in the Spirit. To pray at all times in the Spirit is not to be thought of as duty, but as the natural outworking of the love of God that then turns our hearts towards Him as we pursue Him with love. And we've been asking this question, right? Where is the love? Well, here is the love. The Spirit of God poured out upon the church, given to us so that we might pray at all times in the Spirit who then takes the Word of God, breathes life into us. He animates our otherwise dead feelings, dead spirit, deadness of our soul. He brings life to it through the Word that leads us then to desire to know and love Jesus more fully, more completely through the simple gift of prayer. This is why Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. You see, the Spirit leads us to Jesus so that we might have an abundance of life in Him. That big, spacious world that God invites us into is a world of abundance as we pray at all times in the Spirit. This exhortation that Paul gives to the church to pray at all times in the Spirit is an invitation for you and I to open God's Word, to learn, to listen to the Spirit who is always then pointing us to Jesus. This is where the love is found in the Christian life. We are to pray at all times in the Spirit so that our knowledge of Jesus becomes actual and not factual. It becomes actual and not factual. I, I, I have a very large knowledge base about Christianity and faith, but this morning early, I needed actual faith. I didn't need theoretical faith. I needed actual faith. I needed the Spirit of God to take me into Christ more deeply so that I could pour out my soul to Him and say, oh God, help, help is needed. It wasn't a factual exercise. It has been said that an adult life needs an adult faith, and I do believe that to be true, but not at the expense of a childlike humility that then says, God, there are things right now outside of my control that only you can take care of. Oh, God, please take care of them. I come to you as a child. I have no ability in this. As this happens, as we... As we learn to meet Jesus in this way, what the church will find, what you and I will find together or in our own private devotional lives is our desires for Jesus increasing. And as our desires for Jesus increase, we will see how he works in the actuality of our lives. For you know what Jesus said? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's not factual. That's an actual promise that when we pray at all times in the Spirit, the Spirit leads us into and reminds us that Jesus is actually with us, loving us, caring about us, inviting us into his, into his life more and more. This then is the great purpose for prayer, that through the Spirit we receive the abundance of life from Jesus 
that has been promised to us. And through Jesus, then, we have a constant friend who loves us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And so the exhortation Paul gives to the church to pray at all times in the Spirit is not about guilt. It's about freedom. It is about the growth in love with Jesus as we open his word and we fellowship with him. Now we got to follow Paul as he takes the exhortation and he applies it. And he's going to give us three applications. The first one is found in the words alert and perseverance. So verse 18, we're to pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Every prayer we offer is understood to be an encounter with the triune God every prayer we offer is an encounter with the triune God regardless of the length of the prayer or the purpose of the prayer each time we pray we meet Father Son and Holy Spirit we may not frame it that way but nevertheless the God who hears our prayers is the God who eternally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, this is why I cannot emphasize enough that the invitation to us to pray is not about guilt. It is about freedom. It is about entering freely into a relationship with the eternal God that we encounter, we meet when we bow before him in prayer and it is in that freedom then we find god caring for us alerting us to pray helping us in our weakness that we might persevere in prayer if gaining the request prayed for is our motivation then we will struggle to stay alert and to persevere it will be very hard because this proverb says hope deferred what makes the heart sick we're going to be talking about that uh, during advent from barrenness to bounty how did it how did elizabeth and zechariah endure in faith in, in years of barrenness how does it happen how do you persevere it is through again communing with the triune god god who is for us god who is not against us but if we want every prayer to uh, give us some noticeable fruits, then we are going to struggle to stay alert and to persevere. You might ask yourself, if you are languid in prayer, is it because you're more focused on the fruit and not the root? That you're more focused on the fruit and not the root. Alertness to the Spirit and perseverance in prayer will grow as we listen to the Spirit's invitation to commune with the very root of our faith, the risen, ascended, exalted, coming again, Lord Jesus Christ, who said, where two or three are gathered, here I am in your midst. Here he is. Focus on him and not on, oh, guess what? God didn't show up. I didn't get what I wanted. I mean, Christmas is coming. There's going to be a lot of disappointment, right? There just is. 
I mean, I prayed for a red Corvette about 40 years ago. Ain't seen one yet. Well, I stopped praying for it, but you know what I mean, right? With God, there is no disappointment if we focus our prayers on the union that we have with Jesus Christ. And this is what the Spirit does, and this is why Paul applies then this exhortation to pray at all times in the Spirit. We need alertness and perseverance that the Spirit then brings to us in the power of Jesus Christ. Where is the love? Well, here is the love then. When Jesus himself said to us, abide in me, abide in me. And if you do, you'll bear much fruit. In case you didn't get it, we'll put it up on the screen. Focus on the root and not on the fruit. There's a second application that Paul gives us. We are invited to pray at all times in the Spirit with all alertness and perseverance for all the saints. For all the saints. This, my friends, is love in action. And let me remind you, we will always love imperfectly. Nevertheless, he invites us to pray for all the saints, even though we will pray imperfectly. We are to pray for one another because our imperfect prayers are made perfect then by the Spirit who intercedes for us. So, so here's how it works. I'm praying for you, and I'm praying imperfectly because I don't know everything I need to pray for, or I don't know the depths of the need that I may be praying for. And then the Spirit of the living God takes that prayer, He brings it into the very throne room of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, and the prayer gets perfected because the Spirit knows what our, uh, the Spirit knows what the will of God is. Listen to Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Do you ever feel weak when you're trying to pray for somebody? The Spirit knows that and He helps us. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. Be alert, persevere for all the saints, because as you pray in the Spirit, it is the Spirit who takes your imperfect prayers and perfects them so that they are then given in accordance with the will of God. And then God answers those prayers in His time and in His way. Where is the love? Well, well there is love. It, it is love in action as we enter into the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit who comforts us and encourages us to keep praying, even though we know on our best days we pray weakly, we pray imperfectly, we pray with languid hearts, and yet God in His grace has given us the Spirit to perfect our prayers. What a, what a, what a fellowship, the hymn says, right? What a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Let that be how you pray then 
for all the saints. But there's a third application Paul gives in verses 19 and 20. And Paul applies, as he applies his teaching, he's careful to include himself, and I'm glad that he does. But we should note um, that at the beginning of his uh, letter to the church at Ephesus, he identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. But here at the end, he calls himself an ambassador in chains. An ambassador in chains. The basic meaning of the word apostle is to be sent. The meaning of being an ambassador is to carry authority. So Paul is carrying the authority of God in Christ and he wants to open his mouth boldly, but he has a problem. He's, he's got chains. He's got chains. We should ask, under whose authority was Paul sent? Well, we only need to remember the commission by Jesus to answer that question. For Jesus said, all authority is mine in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. So of course, by God's grace, Paul had made many disciples in Ephesus. He was in Ephesus under the authority of God in Christ. He is chained in prison in Rome under the authority of Jesus Christ. But he's not finished making disciples. They hadn't put tape over his mouth. They chained him, but they forgot to put tape over his mouth. And Paul isn't praying, oh God, get rid of the chains because I want to go to Spain, which he did. He's saying, hey, church at Ephesus, pray that God will help my uncovered mouth speak boldly about the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, if that is not a lesson for the church today. We think wrongly that somehow all of the obstacles that are now in our way as Christians somehow are going to keep us from speaking boldly about Jesus. And the Spirit says, no one's put tape over your mouth yet. Yeah, uh, you, you can still speak it through the mask. I was just looking at Trisha. She's wearing the mask. You can still speak it through the mask. But speak boldly. Speak boldly for the gospel. Some of you know that our oldest son, Jesse, in service with the Air Force, has moved out of the... Uh, flying community and into the diplomatic side of the military and is being trained to work in embassies. And I asked him, I said, so just, I think I probably know the answer to this, but just let me know for sure. What would happen if uh, somebody uh, took an ambassador, another nation took an ambassador and either put him in prison or put him to death? What would happen? And he said, well, that would be considered a declaration of war. He said, now if some you know, like rogue band of you know, whoever happened to capture the guy, then that gets worked out differently. But if a nation takes another ambassador and, and imprisons them or hurts them or put them to death, that's, a, that's considered a declaration of war. I just want to ask you, who do you think is declaring war here? Well, you know, at the beginning of the section, Paul talks about the rulers and the principalities and all of the things, the forces, right? But I want to remind you that the Lord of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, has declared war on those powers. 
that he declared war on the rulers and the authorities and the cosmic powers, this present darkness, the spiritual forces in the heavenly places. And he himself entered into this world as king. And he would, he would surrender himself to death. But then he would be raised from the dead in victory. Having won victory over death, he would then show himself alive by many proofs. He would ascend into his father's presence. There he is exalted today as God's king over all things. His spirit given, we like Paul are ambassadors proclaiming the authority of Jesus who declared war on death and defeated it. And now is ridding God's good world of all of its enemies so that we by God's grace will be able to live fully in this great, beautiful, spacious world that God has given to us. The circumstances were not at all favorable for Paul. <clears throat> they may not be favorable for us from the human vantage point, but let us join Paul and say, please, please give me words to open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. As of today, 17 American missionaries have been held in captivity for one month. Negotiations continue for their release. They were sent to Haiti under the authority of Jesus Christ, the same authority that Paul was sent under. And I ask your forgiveness that I have not kept them in front of us to pray for them, either publicly or to remind you to do so, but we should pray for them that in their bondage, they open their mouths boldly to preach the gospel. So as I close this rather brief series, I want to do so with continued hope from the gospel. Yes, it is Thanksgiving week, and we all give thanks for our, our nation and all of the blessings that God has given to us. But if we are going to actually be of help to our nation, here on the local home front at least, to pray that God would bring back some semblance of, of virtue and righteousness, then I exhort us with Paul to pray at all times in the Spirit. And when our ardor grows languid, that we meditate on God's Word and that we and allow the Spirit then to engage us and to fuel us up for prayer. It will take much perseverance to see our local communities by God's grace renewed. It will take great perseverance for God to renew us every day. But as we pray for one another, let us not neglect to pray for the hamlet and the village and of course, our partners in ministry around the world pray that the way we've arranged the budget in this coming fiscal year may uh, support and encourage God's work. But let me end with Calvin again, who's, who wrote this, for the trials by which the Lord proves and exercises us are severe. Nay, he often drives us to extremes. And when driven allows us to long 
allows us long to stick fast in the mire before he gives us any taste of his sweetness. Let us not cease to pray, since prayer unaccompanied by perseverance leads to no results. I don't believe that we are long stuck in the mire. I think there are times when we believe it, and there may be cases where it, it is really hard for people. Trials and the severity of trials and being driven to extremes. I totally agree with, with Calvin. We need greater perseverance. But let us, let us persevere in remembering that we are in God's spacious world that is filled with grace and filled with mercy. That we have been invited by Holy God into fellowship with Him through Jesus who is King. And so we ask one last time, where is the love? Well, it's symbolized right down there at that table, isn't it? It has been given to us right here in His Word. It is sitting in this room with us today. In the fellowship of God's people. And may we, as we come to celebrate His body broken and His blood shed so that our sins could be forgiven, may we come with hearts ready to receive even more fully the great love that has been poured out upon us in Jesus Christ so that we can go forth and proclaim it boldly. Now, Father, I ask that your word may have great impact upon our lives to encourage us and strengthen us by grace that as we come into this fellowship of the table, that we would do so with hope and thanksgiving. I'm going to allow you just a few moments of quietness. Think on these things, prepare your heart further, and we'll come together and celebrate at the table. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.